Do you want to know the secret to success? Welcome to rulesforsuccess.com, a platform that unites the accomplished and the ambitious. This is where successful entrepreneurs reveal their winning strategies, their profound wisdom, and their practical guidance. Whether you are a pioneering entrepreneur, a determined business leader, or simply someone who craves success, rulesforsuccess.com is the podcast designed for you. We're here to arm you with the invaluable knowledge of individuals who have paved their own path to success. And now let's get into the show with dynamic host, Joseph Varghese. So welcome everyone. My name is Joseph Varghese, rulesforsuccess.com. I'm here with my good friend, Rocky Lalvani. Rocky, welcome. How are you, my friend? I'm doing awesome. Thank you so much, Joseph, for having me here today. I'm excited about having you. We had an amazing conversation weeks ago. I've gotten a chance to know you on and off for the past eight, nine months. And, um, you know, I, I feel this is really important because uh, we're in COVID. This has been a unique year for many of us. And in our previous conversation, it became very clear that a lot of our members who are really growth-minded don't really have a strategy around wealth. So I brought Rocky on board here. Rocky is um, he's, he's a, a master at the system called Profit First. We'll talk about it momentarily. For audience watching this, this interview will be mind mapped and shared on our site rulesforsuccess.com. You can find the summary mind map of it. And uh, I really trust that the value that Rocky is going to provide is going to be extraordinary because there are people out there these days struggling. And something I've learned from one of my other mentors um, and colleagues um, is that most people go into retirement with less than $10,000 in savings. So um, what that could mean for people in their 60s and 70s if that's true, which I believe it is true, is that uh, more people will, in their 60s and 70s would be working at fast restaurants than ever before in the future, particularly because um, um, we are, most of us will be living until our 80s and 90s and beyond with the way technology and, and medicine's going. So Rocky, welcome aboard. Well, let's talk about you and your background. I know, um, you know, you're, you have a, you and your wife background in, in, in accounting, you specifically, uh, you, you're, you're um, a CFO, you're a CFO for many organizations and small companies. Talk about your background. How did you get started in the world of Profit First and really being a CFO and all the, all the roles you have? So I've always been interested in money since I was a kid. And I just, I don't know where it came from, but as a kid, I wanted to be a millionaire. That was kind of the goal. And so I would read the Wall Street Journal. I would study. I would figure out these types of things. And I grew up in a family that talked about money. I didn't realize that most families don't talk about money. I know I have a Bachelor of Science in Economics and an MBA. They never taught us how to build wealth in either of those programs. And so I've just always been fascinated about it. Yeah, When you have a goal to be wealthy, you have to go study it. And so that's what I did. And I came to learn about money mindsets. We all have these stories that we tell ourselves, right? Most of them are created in childhood. So it could be your parents telling you money doesn't grow on trees. We can't afford that. Making money is hard. So if you think that, you know, what does that make you think? Oh, it's hard for me to make money. What if they tell you rich people are evil? Well, then if you start to get rich, you start to think you're going to become evil. You give away your money and that's self-defeating. So I spent a lot of time just, just trying to figure out why is it that in a country like America, where there is so much abundance, so few people have wealth. And then I came across uh, Mike's book and Profit First, 
And I was shocked to learn that business owners didn't understand the business of business and that they weren't looking at their financial reports. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. How is that possible? And it, I came to realize they went into business because there was something they loved to do. And they went and did that, but they never bothered to understand the business part of business. And this is why most businesses struggle. And I think across all of these things, we don't teach people how to build wealth. Right. And most businesses fail in five years or less, mm-hmm. according to the numbers. And, um, and a lot of our members in the community success circles that I lead for entrepreneurs about accountability. And, um, you know, I'm an engineer. I'm about tracking. My dad was a master of compound wealth. He had a background in accounting. He was also a civil engineer. And some of those genes <laughs> apparently didn't transfer to me <laughs> because over the years, I, I killed a bunch of golden geese along the way. And my wife and I were kind of recovering and figuring out a strategy around all of this. Um, so, I mean, I, 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 I've been presented in the past by work by Keith Cunningham. And then I met Mike about maybe 10, 11 years ago at an event for uh, his first book called the, the Toilet Paper Entrepreneur, which is, you know, it, during COVID times, uh, you might think it's related to, you know, stock up a toilet paper, but it's not that. It's actually quite brilliant. Um, <laughs> and uh, the, Mike's passion and what he's built up, um, um, a model around, which is extraordinary, but profit first is simple. It's like so simple versus many of the other models out there. And I know you integrate that and you talk about that with the unique work you do as a CFO. So let's talk about that. So what led you into this model of uh, Profit First? So the model of Profit First isn't anything unique. Um, If you know Dave Ramsey and how he talks about his envelope system, it's literally the same concept as the envelope system, but it's designed for businesses. Mm -hmm. It's the same way that I built wealth over the last 30 plus years. And there's a couple underlying principles there. So the first is Parkinson's law. And Parkinson's law basically says we will use up all of a resource that we have. And so if we see a bank account full of money, we will use up a bank account full of money, right? If I tell you, you have three weeks to do a project, it'll take you three weeks. But if I tell you, you have three hours to do a project, you'll figure out a way to get it done in three hours. Now, part of the reason that we can see that kind of dramatic shift is because of what you already know with the Pareto principle, right? The 80-20 rule. 20% of our time is productive. The other 80% is wasted. And if you allow for wastage, then that's what's going to happen. And so Mike Mike figured out these principles. And then he also figured out that the accountants are giving us the wrong formulas. So the purpose of an accountant is to record what happened. They tell you what happened in the past. They figure out your taxes and they're following these generally accepted accounting principles, which has a formula which says sales minus expenses equals profit. And that means profit comes last, right? It's a leftover. And that's why so many business owners don't even know if they're profitable until their tax returns done. And then they ask the question, where did that money go? And the accountant just laughs at him and says, well, you spent it, right? <laughs> right. Or they're sitting here going, I don't understand. You told me I'm profitable. There's no money in the bank. And the next year they come in, they go, oh, I was unprofitable this year. Well, how come there's money in my bank? It's because the financial reports right. don't match cash flow and don't match what's going on. Yeah. And so Mike created a system to make it easy. And basically what happens is your money comes in and it comes into one account. So now you know how much money you have coming in. 
And then he just suggests we all, we allocate our, our money with a purpose. So the first thing we should do is take profit because the purpose of our business is to be profitable, right? You built right. your business plan. You said we're going to be profitable. We'll create account. And every time you get a sale, you put the percentage of profit into the profit account. Is that like paying yourself first or is this something separate? From it is idea? pay yourself first, but that's the second account. Your pay, owner's comp, mm -hmm. pay yourself first, right? So take your pay money out. And then the government gets its cut. It's mm -hmm. not your money. So put money in the tax account. Now you can spend, right? That's the money that's left over in your operating account. But you've made sure that you're profitable and you removed your profit so that you can get a quarterly profit distribution check. You've paid yourself because too many owners put business owners put themselves last, not first, and they they give up their income and then they wonder why they struggle and their spouse is yelling at them and no. <laughs> and, and Black Friday hits and Cyber Monday hits and they've got the accounts like there's money yeah. there, money's gone and the money's yeah. <laughs> tax time comes and they're freaking out because they right. spent the tax money. But if we put all that aside, then what we have is the money that's left. And basically what happens is, is business owners are very resourceful. They're very smart. Yeah. When you force them to be constrained, Parkinson's law, they will apply the 80-20 rule. They will figure out a better way to spend the limited resources they have, and they will automatically stay within budget. And and also so find, would you say also they'll also find better ways to generate revenue to kind of meet those goals, those, those outcomes they have? if they're used to a certain number in that account. So we're kind of used to like the glass ceiling in terms of our value, our worth as a company, as an individual. Would you say that's true too? That is true too. Yeah. I, I mean, that's just, we all get accustomed to the temperature that we live at. And you just, you have to prepare yourself. And that's up and down. That's like what we talked about in the beginning. If you think rich people are evil and you start to get money, you will automatically blow it. How so do you, how do you, you gotta watch that. How do you engage with clients? How do you shift those beliefs? Because, I mean, all these programs and, you know, Susie Orman and also uh, Dave Ramsey. And I, I did a course years ago with Peak Potential, The Millionaire Mind, uh, mm -hmm. T.R. Becker's work. It's all about like shifting beliefs. And I see people like with the New York Power Team, I lead, we lead the largest uh, personal development meetup community in New York, meeting since, two, since 1993. I see people come to our events going to seminars and programs and taking everything they have, putting 20, 30, $40,000 into programs. And, you know, two years goes by, it's like deja vu, like nothing shifted. And like, how do you, how do you go about like helping people rewire, reshift those beliefs? I think the first thing is to understand your beliefs. So if you ask people, what are you, what is money to you? Have you ever examined that? Have you ever asked yourself, what are the underlying beliefs in the way that I behaved with money? I, I always say, if I look at someone's calendar and their bank account, I can tell you who they are and what yeah. they do because yeah. their actions speak louder than their words. So I think the first step is to understand who are you and where are you at? And then you ask yourself, well, who do I want to be? And where is that? Now, we're not going to go from A to B overnight. But is there one thing we can do differently this week to change the way I behave? So if you've got an overspending problem, if we start hiding money from you through a system like this, mm. you're automatically going to be constrained.
And that's a big part of this system. Mike knows, Mike even knows himself. He goes, I have to create a separate profit account in another bank and move the money there. And I can only take it out when it's countersigned by somebody. It keeps him accountable. He won't steal from himself. And we all do that. So it's creating accountability, it's creating systems, and it's addressing the underlying issue. And then you've got to want to change. Everyone says they want to change, but nobody wants to do the work that's required to change. Right. And you've got to take it. Everyone wants to see the ladder and jump off the to the top rung. And if you try and do that, more than likely, you're going to fall. Then right. you give up. Yeah. But right. if you take one step, you've got a good chance of success. And then you take the next step and then the next step. So I tell people, whether it's personal savings or business profit, start with 1%. You won't miss a dollar out of 100. Three months from now, up it to 2%. If you've got a 401k, you know, up at 1%. And if you keep doing that little by little in in as little as 12 years, uh, 12, excuse me, in as little as three years, you can get to a 12% savings rate. So that when you're 65 years old, you won't have $10,000. You'll have a million dollars or $10 yeah. million. Yeah, it's especially. not hard to build wealth over time, Yeah, but you've just got to start at the beginning. Compounding is amazing. It is very powerful. Right. Mm -hmm. Einstein said that, that uh, the like, number one law in the universe, something about sort is compound wealth, right? Like the top law behind everything. And there's so much power in that. And you start early in life, you save for the first let's say, five years in your adulthood versus starting 20 years later for 20 years, you save the same amount monthly. Um, you're going to have a tough time meeting what you saved for the first five years. You will. Yeah. Money starts to grow. That's why our kids have Roth IRAs as teenagers. We taught them the principles of starting early and just little bits of saving constantly. Got it. Why is it important to focus on the bottom line than the top line? What is the bottom line and top line for our audience? So we have a saying, top line is vanity, bottom line is sanity, right? Mm -hmm. So you go to all of these events. What do they tell you? I had a seven-figure launch. Oh, you're so cool. First question I ask is how much did it cost you? Because a lot of times their seven-figure launch costs them seven figures in a dollar. Right. They did all this work. They hustled like crazy. They were, you know, rah, rah, rah. And at the end of the day, what did they have to show for it? That's the bottom line. And in many cases, there's nothing to show for your work. And that's why they're struggling. So yeah. that is why focusing on the bottom line on profit, on how much you keep is more important because in a lot of times I'll even tell business owners to do less business and make more. So what would you rather do? Would you rather be a $10 million business, which means it's a lot of work yeah. and you keep $50,000 or would you rather be a half million dollar business, which is not a lot of work, but you keep $200,000? Right. Right. The latter, of course. The latter, of course. Yeah. But yeah. everyone is so focused on top line growth because it's easy to see. I made a sale today. That's wonderful. Was your sale profitable? Yeah. And most people can't answer that question. Yeah. They Got don't it. know. Yeah. Very well said. And then. 
really getting to know numbers, loving numbers each day and having accountability is very important too. Hence having like a chief profitability officer like yourself, that's a key thing because uh, without account, like my wife and I, we did a FPU, Dave Ramsey's last year. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, we, we meet with other couples, it's virtual. And it was like, I think it was the first virtual FPU they did Financial Peace University. But it, it created something, it created like this uh, line of dialogue that's allowed us to, at least ongoing for a good amount of time to um, engage, reflect, review, celebrate, and um, have a path, a, a plan for what's next. We paid her for her student loans this past year, medical school student loans this past year. We created a um, another framework where every couple of weeks on a Sunday, we have a call with my best friend and his wife to talk about money, to mm-hmm. have dialogue. And it's 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 paid its dividends in, you know, in gold, being able to get in dialogue, have those conversations. Why is it important, you feel, for a solopreneur or a small business to bring on board a chief property officer and, and how, how does your role what does your role play like in terms of engagement what do you look at how do you how do you work yourself in there to ensure that there's accountability there so i'm going to be blunt not you don't need me you don't need a chief profitability officer as long as you play that role so if you're the solopreneur at some time during the week put on the hat of saying am i profitable Now, the problem that comes up is a lot of people are numbers averse. They're told math is hard and they've got issues with that. Or the reality is in your business, you do the parts that you love and you ignore the parts you hate. So if you hate the numbers and you don't want to look at them, somebody's got to play that role. Hmm. It's up to you how you do that. The purpose of that role is to dig deeply into the numbers and look at things and say, is this profitable? So that's the top line. You know, we can look very quickly and see if you're profitable, but then ask yourself a question, where is my profit coming from? So if we go back to the 80-20 rule again, there's a good chance that 80% of your profit is coming from 20% of your customers. But 80% of your customers are taking up all your time and you can't serve that profitable customer well. When you know that, you can better serve your customers. You can better focus your energies where it's important. The second thing that I see with most business owners is the same thing that we have with people. We have needs and wants. Most business owners have shiny object syndrome. They have lots of wants. But the question is, is is this spending that I'm about to do going to increase my bottom line? If it's not, it's not worthy of spending. And so you'll see, you know, classic example is people in the trades. Oh, I I need a truck. Okay. It doesn't have to be an $80,000 brand new pickup. You could get by with a $15,000 used pickup, right? It's vanity. Especially when you walk, when the car off the lot, it loses (laughs) value like 15% automatically. So why not buy something a year, year old or, you know, like, you know, the previous year's model that barely with a few thousand miles on it, perhaps, you know, um, absolutely. There's a lot of vanity in this, in this field, especially with entrepreneurs when they see money mm-hmm. and they want to show off and so forth. Yeah. I, yeah. And, and well, Dave Ramsey says, right. The paid off mortgage is the new BMW that, you know, mm-hmm. being debt free and, and being able to be on a solid financial foundation means that you don't have anxiety you don't have worry 
and you sleep better at night and you have the freedom to do what you choose. You have the freedom to say no. So like, I, I won't deal with bad customers. I like, I'm just not dealing with it. I don't need your money. And that's the freedom you get when you build a strong financial base. And so that's why it's important. I can't, it, it really helps take away. I think it, money is a big, big factor in anxiety and stress. And people don't even yeah. realize it half the time what's going on because they're not looking. Right. They've got an unconscious. They're putting their, uh, like flamingos, I think, or one of those, those birds, they put their head in the sand because it's, it's <laughs> easy to put the head in the sand and, and hang out and, you know, go numb to the world. I mean, in any area of life, but especially with money, because there's so many emotions that come up in money, I find. Right. So got it. Well, you're, you're so grounded. You're so, when I engage with you, I mean, you're, you're so relaxed in how you approach things. Right. And uh, in some ways, you're, you know, I, I think of um, like my dad was a master in money, a compound wealth, and not just around finances, but he, you know, he also created a strategy that brought thousands of his family, siblings, you know, over to this country from India. So compound wealth along other spheres as well also. And um, when I see you, you're just extraordinarily grounded in how you um, like you see things. So what are some of the practices you take on on a daily basis? Kind of a slight shift, but I'm very curious about it. We often ask our audience, we ask our, our, our speakers this question because, um, and I find that rituals help us um, like, stay managed emotions effectively. They allow us to um, not get carried away at times and make really poor decisions, hence the path of least resistance, kind of going after the shiny objects you mentioned before. What are some specific like rituals, things you take on, you and your wife perhaps you take on each day to keep you kind of grounded the way you are? So most people don't realize the morning routine starts the night before. Hmm. It's getting to bed on time. So that's one big thing. I get up early and as soon as I get up, I either head to the gym or if it's a day that I'm working out at home, uh, doing a, the home routine, I go do that first thing. So the first thing I do is exercise, get the body moving. Uh, I come back from that and then I take a shower and I've got a beautiful shower. I can look out the window. I can see the woods. I've got, um, we, we built a custom shower because if you think about it, right, yeah. everyone who goes and takes a shower, that's your thinking time, isn't it? Yeah. Like you always get the best ideas in the shower. <laughs> so build the perfect place for you to have the best ideas. We, we bought our house because of the shower for that reason. It has quite a few jets upstairs. And uh, that was one of the top reasons. My, my, my wife might my, my deny it, but I, I believe that was one of the reasons <laughs> we, we moved into this house. I, I got that. Yeah. After, after that, I spend time doing uh, morning reading. So I have a couple of different things that I read, uh, spiritual and stoic hmm. in philosophy. And so it's not a lot of reading, but a couple of different things kind of to get the day started to constantly shift mindset. And most of those things that I read every morning are things that are repeatable. So I read a little stoic book. It's probably 100 pages. When I get to page 100, I start over again. Right. And I go back through it because every time I go through it, I get something different out of it. Uh, and then I usually will have uh, hopefully some quiet time for meditation, breathing. Um, even this morning, it was 30 something degrees out. And I went out barefoot just into the lawn to 
kind of, as you say, ground yourself, right? Yeah. Take a look at the sun, look at the woods, understand that life is pretty good. So it's part of a, a gratitude practice. Um, and then after that, I tend to start my day. Uh, I also don't, I do not eat in the morning. I do not eat breakfast. Yeah. I do intermittent fasting. So Easy. my first meal is not till noon. Yeah. And I'm pretty good with food. We don't really eat things that come out of packages, tend to cook. Um, so that we have healthy fuel in our bodies. So that's a big part of it. And I think the other thing that I'm really working on lately is, and it's a struggle, it's learning to stop the monkey mind and just learning to challenge. Like when things come up, I'm like, can you do anything about that? No, all right, shut up. Enough. Like yeah. stop thinking about things, stop following scenarios that you have no control over and stop bugging yourself. And then I get to, uh, then I get to work Got and it. I enjoy my day. And I'm usually done with work most days, five to six o'clock. So today we're going a little late cause I'm recording that's fine. And as soon as we're done here, I'm pretty much done, um, for today and I'll go eat and hang out with the I mean, family. And and this is, this is fun for you. I mean, you're on podcast, you're on, you're on podcast channel, the profit answer man. And I think your site, you shared it before, it's uh, profitcomesfirst.com. Um, you love this, right? You love engaging audiences this way, right? You do this on a regular basis. I love teaching and I love changing outcomes for people. And I especially love it when I can do it with young people hmm. because when you can change the course of a young person, the long-term like trajectory is so massive because they've got their whole life ahead of them. So I always loved it. It's, it's yeah. phenomenal. Actually, right before this, I was talking to somebody. Um, we were talking about like how, how to handle money and so forth. And he's in his early 20s. He's asking a lot of questions like, how do I do that? Uh, so I'm always doing that, trying to help That's people pick that out. So the one thing I will tell you, and we haven't mm. talked about this. Um, Please. The book over here, Living Forward, is by Michael Hyatt. Living forward is how to create your life plan. Once you create a plan for your life, it is so much easier to take action steps because you, once you know where you're going and what you want, it becomes so easy to say no. Awesome. I love Michael Hyde's work. He's fantastic. I follow a lot of it and uh, got it. Yeah. It's basically having a vision for the future where you want to go. Mm -hmm. and, and basically that, the choices you make now around wealth, around savings, kind of fuel feed into that and in, 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 into that vision for yourself, right? They do. Yeah, got it. What's your why? So, do you have a personal why that you're present to each day? Do you have like a, a bigger why? So, the underlying thing, right? We're in times of COVID, right? Our government is spending money like crazy. You've got people screaming, we need debt relief, we need this, we need that, give me, give me, give me. You will never end the give me. If I can teach people how to build wealth, people are not going to say give me anymore. They're going to say, how can I help? How can I do? I don't need bigger government. I don't need more debt. I don't need to make our country more fragile. I can build strength. And so I think from that standpoint, if, if everybody was wealthy and built wealth, 
you wouldn't have half the problems we have today. And we wouldn't be creating the instability of this massive federal debt that our government's doing. And people would be able to make the choices of, hey, I want to stay home with my kids, you know, and, and raise them. I want to be able to do these things. And so for me, it's helping more people have the ability to live the life that they choose to live on their terms and being able to say no. So that's that's the bigger why for me. I think it just makes a better country and a better world. Amazing. I agree. Yeah, making people be more resourceful, right? Versus reacting to the world or uh, getting into, I mean, oh, com common word using these circles of victimhood, perhaps kind of being, mm -hmm. being uh, at, at, uh, at effect versus actually being a cause of one's life with the choices that we have and so forth. Yeah. It's funny because tomorrow I'm recording an episode and it's a young gentleman. He's 23 years old. He graduated a little over a year ago with $90,000 in college debt. He paid it off already. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> One year. He, right. he, he said, I'm getting out of college debt. Amazing. And he paid it off and now he's debt free. Now he can start living life without an anchor. Yeah. Got it. It's 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 really important, and um, I, I have friends and peers who are doing extraordinary things with wealth. But you, as you mentioned, it's bottom line. Like, what's the mm -hmm. bottom line with with all of this? And they're borrowing a lot. They're, they're credit cards, like maybe dozens of credit cards and um, bank loans. And um, but it's it's really getting to know the numbers, like really getting getting married to the numbers. It's really key. And when you borrow like that, when you hit one hiccup like COVID. Everything yeah. starts to crash and right. it takes time. So clearly certain businesses have already closed. A lot of businesses got a lifeline because the government handed out PPP and EIDL. Right. But those are all getting spent up and 2021 is not looking much different than 2020. Right. So I think you're going to see a lot more businesses if they haven't pivoted, if they haven't changed the way they do things, you're going to see a lot more hardship in 2021. And I know Mike did a lot early on when, when things went bad. Mike was on constantly teaching people how to pivot, how to change, how to try something new, uh, and how to bring about those, those types of changes. I've got a question for you, and I'm curious what your beliefs around this are. And uh, it's a kind of a personal question for me. Where my wife and I, well, I'm, I'm a big believer in tithing. I grew up with that. And uh, my dad, my, my sister, 10, 20%. And, um, and Dave Ramsey talked about that too, as well, also. And I find that the more I give, the more I receive. And I tend to try, I, I aim to give more in terms of my skills and to teach others and so forth versus the financial aspect of things, like letting go of 10% at times can be challenging, like 10% of, 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 of the money that comes in. How does that fit into the profit first model? I know Dave Ramsey has, you know, his vision of that. He talks about that. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting how the universe works, you know, and, and like being detached and letting go and contributing and contribution is a big part of what I do. I mean, my mm -hmm. wife even tells me that, you know, you're giving way too much time into all these things. Are you, are you tracking these things? And I put together a spreadsheet and I saw that, for many days, like 30, 40% of my day was that. I'm like, I got to fine tune this a little more. How do we effectively contribute in this model of profit first? I'm curious about this from my, my, my own personal selfish question, mm -hmm. because I, I want to get to a place where I can start tithing and giving more. 
so in the profit for we would just actually this this morning I was on with a bunch of other profit first professionals and that was the conversation we were having is for businesses that want to build giving into the model how do we do it and the answer is you set up an account for that so you can do it a couple of different ways you can set up a separate account and say this is my tithing account or what one of the people suggested this morning is when you take your quarterly profit distribution you allocate a certain percentage of your of your profit to tithing. So if I'm taking a, a profit distribution this quarter of say $50,000, you might say to yourself, okay, I am going to all the time give 25% of my profit away to charity. So when you take your $50,000 out, you take 12 and a half grand and you give it away. And there are ways to structurally give it away. We we happen to be donors to the United Way. So through the United Way, I can, or even through a, like a self-directed fund, you can put money into the fund and then later you disperse it. Amazing. Fantastic. Very simple. Very, very, very simple. Very strategic. Very strategic mm -hmm. about it. Got it. So how do people engage with these? So I know you have two brands. Your profit comes first and your richer soul. What's the difference between those two brands? So Profit First is designed for the business owner. It's how do I build a profitable business and how can I ensure that happens? Once you have profit and you have a profitable business and you know what you're doing, you start to have freedom. So Richer Soul is about freedom. How do I create harmony in my life with my health, my wealth, my time, my relationships, and my spirituality? At the core is knowing your purpose, so we've got a written life plan. This is where I'm going. Fixing our mindsets. So how do we fix our mindsets and, and make the changes that we want to make? And then how do we create harmony across all those other areas? And I use the word harmony because when you talk balance, nobody can have balance. It's impossible. Right. And, and people then get frustrated. And they're like, I can't do this. But with harmony, you start to realize that everything is going to have its place in its time. Create the music of your life. Go have yeah. fun. And there are different seasons of life, just like we're in mm -hmm. the winter season approaching. And uh, sometimes the season of COVID, for example, there are challenges that come about. So it's just um, having harmony between all those different areas. Got it. Amazing. Any other final words? Anything else you're launching? What, what's next for you, Rocky? I Right now, I'm just building the Profit First brand and, and building that out and helping business owners. Uh, we do have a course that will be coming out probably in the next month or two. So for people who are smaller businesses and want to implement Profit First, but can't afford to have somebody full-time, that course will kind of create that stopgap to allow them to learn how to implement Profit First in their business. So that's probably the next thing to launch. And that's where we're at for the next year. Amazing. Nice, slow, steady like <laughs> <laughs> my dad would say I took slow and steady wins a race. Um, mm -hmm. And, uh, and I, I got a, I started embracing, he passed away in 16 years ago. I started embracing a lot of the lessons he taught, gone through his, uh, his journals, his uh, finance books and so forth. And um, I mean, all this is pretty simple, right? And just, it's just mm -hmm. how I, at least the way you describe it, it's just kind of managing our emotions, being strategic about things, putting funds away, and uh, and really getting to the power of compound growth that it is accessible.
and I believe it's accessible in all areas of life. Like, like mm-hmm. that, those small investments you put each day, you mentioned kind of reading Stoic philosophy and um, getting your morning in motion, starting your day at night, for example, all over time, that compounds on many levels. And people have to realize that. And the more grounded you can be in your decisions or choices, um, that'll translate into your money too as well also, because the path leads resistance. It's, it's easy to, you've, you've got $50,000 in the bank. It's easy to, Black Friday, Cyber Monday to buy all this. And uh, I was tempted. People were calling me too. Like, what do I buy? Computers, technology, it's all these deals. I'm like, um, why? Right, exactly. Buy what you need, but buy, buy it. If there's something missing that's, that's critical, that'll uh, be more efficient. Maybe look into it. But if it's like a shiny object, um, it may not be the best choice right now. Now, I always tell people life is simple. Doing simple is hard. Yeah. Now, everyone's looking for these fancy solutions or these fast solutions. Now, just do the simple. And it's just hard to do simple for some reason. I don't know why. (laughs) Well, I think it's Moore's Law. That's part of it. Moore's Law basically says that uh, it applies to a lot of things in life. And there's so much noise in the world. And Mm -hmm. we got to say no to most of the noise out there, the choices, you know, the paradox of choice, you know, that that whole idea as well. And just say no to things and, uh, and realize that just as money can compound in our favor, noise can compound also against us. And, um, and the better we manage our focus, the more we can impact our kids, the people who we care for, because they're modeling us too as well. Like, like, like our money conversation changed when our daughters born five years ago. And then when our son is born, it changed again, because like, they're, they're going to model exactly what we're doing. Mm-hmm. So it's you know important to, as you're doing yourself, you know, impact future generations, talk to people love, to talk, talk to young people because they're modeling exactly what we're doing. Um, and there's more, to, it's more noise coming in the world. They listen to what you do, not what you say. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very important lessons. And I know your daughter also, you mentioned in our last conversation, she's also kind of getting involved with this too. So you're teaching her these, these, these extraordinary lessons as well. I am. She was, uh, she was at UPW probably when she was 16. She's been to Brendan Burchard. She's been to Seth Godin's programs. Uh, she just did a Seth Godin program. He has an emerging leadership program. Hmm. I think it's open right now. I don't know if they're still taking applications, but if you're a young person, I think between 16 and 25, Seth Godin's got emerging leadership open right now and it's free, but you've got to get through the application process. It is not an easy application process. For a friend of mine, Al did that 10 years ago and he wrote his first book and his second book and he's rocking it now. And it, it takes that, it takes having the right mentor by your side. A lot of these resources are free. They're accessible. They're easily, it's there. It's just a matter of staying focused, staying engaged, having uh, a vision of, of, of the future. Hence, you know, the, 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 uh, the, the uh, live forward book you mentioned before um, it's accessible. Just don't get, don't get overwhelmed by this cluttered world to stay focused and have someone like Rocky to uh, guide you. He's available. Awesome. Thank you so much, my friend. This has been fantastic. I've gotten tremendous value, value out of this conversation. I'm just to share some of the breakthroughs by my own wife. Um, I appreciate you. Thank you, Joseph, so much for having me here. It's been a pleasure to share. Awesome. For our audience, rulesforsuccess.com. You can follow us. You go to rulesforsuccess.com forward slash Rocky. It goes right to this podcast. Thanks so much. That's it for today's episode of rulesforsuccess.com podcast. But the journey to success is far from over. Join us next week for another inspiring conversation with a successful entrepreneur. 
Until then, remember to be bold, be courageous, and go after your dreams.